When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester, and this is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, May 8th, and we don't have a major breaking story like we've had in uh, in recent Mondays and a, a Thursday that we slipped in there that we weren't anticipating, but uh, I guess that's the good news. Notre Dame doing quite well, it, it would appear, in their defensive end recruiting. They received a, a verbal commitment from Cole Mullins a while back, and we can talk about some of those defensive ends, Logan, Logan Thomas is another one that I like. Uh, Elijah Rushing's outstanding and Notre Dame would be, uh, would is well positioned if they can, they can pull that off. But let, we're going to, uh, before we get into that, um, there, there have been a lot of questions about, you know, Notre Dame potential bring in some transfers. Safety of course is at the top of everyone's list. And for those that have seen Antonio Carter, the second out of Rhode Island, that does not look like a, a an FCS defensive back. He's played corner. Notre Dame likes him at safety. Notre Dame needs him at safety, frankly, but I think he can play either one. Um, I'm not sure what Notre Dame's chances are at this point. Uh, Pete, you got a list of some of the teams that are looking at him. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on Antonio Carter the second? Yeah, it's it's a clear take, and I think uh, we don't even need to see F, say FCS all the time because. Players can play everywhere. Notre Dame is at a deficit in recruiting safeties and actually bringing in safeties. They, they brought in one. They probably needed more. Uh, Carter's film is great. He's got a history of production and versatility. And as we said before this podcast, it's not FCS anymore. I mean, when you're a, when you're a senior in college, like if you were looking for a guy that only had FCF, FCS offers, then I could understand why fans and subscribers would be like, oh, wait a minute here. What's wrong with this? Do they have to find every diamond in the rough? It's no longer a diamond in the rough. He has the die. He's come through as oh, a uh, quality player. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not from Rhode Island. He's from Florida. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as an, he's an Orlando product. Um, it's a, obvious would be a huge win for Notre Dame and they need him uh, because I do not believe they have no weaknesses at safety. Yeah, this, this is such a an obvious take. And like, look, he is from... Orlando, but played at Rhode Island. Uh, offers are AM, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, like that. What uh, Washington is in there. So a couple higher end power five teams. But I mean, this isn't somebody that Notre Dame is competing with Alabama or Georgia to get. Because um, I mean, those programs have safety depth charts that probably wouldn't necessitate taking somebody from Rhode Island. But very physical player, uh, sudden attacks the ball. I mean, it seems instinctual, but like they are highlights. Um, but man, he makes plays that I just have not seen a lot of other Notre Dame safeties make. Um, you know, and I do, I do think that that translates well. I mean, how, how many big plays have we seen Ramon Henderson or DJ Brown? It's Xavier Watts, maybe a couple, but, um, Antonio Carter has a full highlight reel of them. So if he can, if just some of those translate to Notre Dame, um, 
they would be better off. He would he would strengthen that room in a big way. Yeah, I think both you guys make great points, Tim. That you can find talent everywhere. Now you have to you have to be very very selective and careful. You're not going to find talents like that everywhere. But uh, to your point, Pete, yeah, highlight films are highlight films. But when you see that level of play, I think it translates pretty pretty. It will translate pretty well. He has multiple years of eligibility, which is something that uh, Tom Loy had had told us. Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports had said Notre Dame didn't want to get a one-and-done, so this is a, a potential two-year player, and he's everything that you guys said. I mean, he's physical, he's alert, he's his change of direction, his physicality, his ability to rush off the edge. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't matter what the competition is. You focus in on that individual. And he's quite capable. So that's the guy that Nordane needs. Um, and I would think that they are pretty well positioned again as w- with the people that you're mentioning, Pete. Um, I mean, those there's some high level programs there, but you're right. They're not competing against the best of the best. I'm a little surprised that there isn't even more uh, more competition out there. Um, so we'll see. But uh, with regards to uh, defensive end recruiting, where where do you guys think Notre Dame is here? And just some of your thoughts on Cole Mullins and Logan Thomas. I don't know necessarily that you guys have, have looked at it as much as I'm inclined to because of the film reviews, but just where do you think Notre Dame is with their defensive end recruiting? With Cole Mullins, I like the um, athleticism. I think Kevin Sinclair sent us some some clips of him playing baseball and just some of the, you know how people always say this is a three, this guy won't be a three star for long. This guy, this is, this is a big, he's misrated. Every time he goes to Notre Dame, he's a three star. People always think it's the next Ogan Deji and diamond in the rough. I like, I mean, I like Cole Mullins. I watched more of him because of what Sinclair was sending us telling us, Hey, this is the look at, this is what people say about Cole Mullins, people I trust. And that's why I like to sometimes when we do our ranking the recruits, I like it when I I never talk to Tom. I try not to talk to Tom and Kevin about what they hear about the guys because it's a different perspective that I won't have when I just look at the film and other stuff. And then when they give me that perspective, kind of like Tom Loy with Pendleton, I had I had Pendleton lower than other people. He's like, I get it, man, but I have not talked to anybody that doesn't love Sam Pendleton. I was like, all right, well, that that's that's good to know too. And it seems like you can't talk to anybody that doesn't think Cole Mullins is going to be much higher rated or at least a very good football player. Yeah, I, I would roll the dice on kids from the south 10 times out of 10 if, yeah if georgia he's has legit, been great <laughs> if he's legit six four um you can do something with that i don't like the diamonds in the rough for a six two because i i don't yeah. think that those really pan out uh nearly as much as people like to think that they will so at defensive end you mean of course you're talking oh about yeah. yeah yeah um but if they if that body type is legit uh in terms of height and weight and where that can go then then yeah you can you can work with that i i don't Especially after last year's cycle of defensive line recruiting, I realized that Keon Keeley would change so much about how we would view this program. Like, I think that they're recruiting pretty well along the defensive line. Um, you know, is it great, great, like national championship level? No, but like, I think they're doing a good job at that position. And, you know, the way this class is shaping up, especially with, uh, look, you have to get Justin Scott one way or the other, but if you can add one more defensive end on top of what you already got, then, then I think they have a nice haul put together. And like, I, you know, Bryce young, the six, five, six, six, like, again, 
give give me length and size and then you can work it out over the next three four years in terms of developing that length and that size yeah and i think those guys are more you know strong side uh i see mullins as a strong side guy certainly bryce young uh whereas i look at logan thomas and uh, malachi williams and elijah rushing those are those are vipers. Those are guys coming off the edge. But uh, you know, Tim, as it relates to to Pendleton, I I, I think I liked him more. Yeah, uh, you did. Just out of the yep. gate before hearing Tom's comments about him or Tom's comments via people in the know. And, and what I liked about him was, and I happened to do the counting down with him um, this morning. Uh, you know, there are good plays and, and bad plays. Some of the bad plays I thought were just a lack of fundamentals. The good, the good plays, and this gets back to your comment about highlight film, Pete. I mean, the good plays are good plays. It's legit. Yeah. It happened, you know. And, uh, you know, when you look at Antonio Carter II, there are a lot of good plays. And I thought that was kind of how I felt about Pendleton. It's like, okay, if this guy puts it all together, um, you know, he can be really good. It, it's not like I had him in the top 10, but I think I had him 16th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you uh, like we were going over the offensive line, and I was like, this has a lot of uh, yeah. 2018 vibes for me. Yeah, and, and you mentioned like, you mentioned like, well, as long as one of them's Jarrett Patterson, I said, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> as long as one of them's Jarrett Patterson, that's fine. But really, that's not normally fine. Just getting Jarrett Patterson, a borderline All American, and then totally washing out is is actually not fine on the offensive line. So um, hopefully, it won't have any 2018 vibes in a couple of years. We're going to finish up this segment with uh, some basketball because, ironically, a large portion of the questions submitted today for the podcast were about basketball, and that's not ironic, I guess, because uh, most of the news has been about verbal commitments toward Notre Dame, and it's been, I mean, at least for a month, Irish Illustrated has been telling you or has been indicating that we were confident that Notre Dame would land all three members of the Penn State incoming recruiting class class including Kerry Booth who's a top 75 player and Braden Shrewsbury of course the son of Micah Shrewsbury and then Logan Imes from Indiana who's a a quality shooter and then uh, we we also have said all along that Kebajai uh, who was a freshman listed 610 not quite sure that he's uh, quite that tall but uh, you know a bit a big man that that started a bunch of games uh, didn't put up huge numbers, but was was pretty consistent. And again, if you watch film, and I'm gonna, you know, I plan on doing some film reviews on on uh, a bunch of these guys just to give a, in, including Antonio Carter the second to the football player. But anyway, Kebajai is coming to Notre Dame too, a transfer from from Penn State, and these are the guys that we thought Notre Dame would get all along. I think we've said at least for a month that they that we felt strongly that they would. So that's good that. The flip side is like we had a couple. We I know we had one question about what do you think the starting lineup is going to be next year. Well, they they still don't have any established college basketball players. The, the top scorer here might be Jai, who averaged four points a game for Penn State last year. So there's still work to be done, and that's that's you know transfer portal. That's all part of it. But uh, and and Notre Dame did add Cole Serta for the 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 following class, who's a top scorer out of Illinois, but there's still, you know, the, <laughs> this is still a roster that is woefully short on experience. And that's why, you know, I know JJ Starling was a tough loss, but for me, the tougher loss was Van, Van Allen Lubin. Cause I thought you could, you could build a front line around him. JJ Starling is a, you know, a quality college basketball player. He's got some 
some shooting technique issues that that I think will hold him back a little bit, but still don't have still don't have college experience on this roster. That's when the old both comes into play. I agree that Van Allen Lubin might have helped more, but boy, did Notre Dame need both. Uh, yes. <laughs> and there's also another both situation. They need both a two-year graduate transfer to come in and help this team and a one-year graduate transfer or two one-years or two two-years because you need some savvy college basketball talent to come guide you through this season. And I am sure Shrewsbury does not have a, we don't want any one and dones coming in here because one and dones are the lifeblood of college basketball. Two and dones would be great because somebody out of this group, someone from the young group or transfers will not be around the whole time. That's the way transfers work. So two and dones are still better to bring in for you're not, you're not limiting your roster in basketball by bringing it to a two year player. Right. And let me, before you come, if I could insert the Julian Roper, the transfer from Northwestern, he's probably the, he has the most, I think he has the most playing experience. Even he was averaging like 20 minutes a game, but only averaging about four points per game in that 20 minutes. So again, no real standout, um, you know, on this roster yet with established college, um, an established college track record. Yeah. Whether one and done or two and done it, like it doesn't matter. Um, you just you need multiples, and I think this applied to safety too. You took Brandon Joseph as a two-year player. Well, guess what? He's here for a year. Um, but you still would have taken him ten times out of ten. Um, you just get get as much talent as you can right now. Um, if you're if they're well under the scholarship limit, and then you can sort it out later. Um, I've seen Kevajai play maybe a half dozen times. I think he was a good high school basketball player. Um, I was a little surprised that he was like a top hundred player. Some places. I would agree um, with that Pete. I would agree. But um, it's not, I saw him play against uh, Mount Verde Academy over in Laporte. Um, and then he was in that game. He was going against like, I think a five-star that went to USC, a couple five-stars that are at IU, including uh, Jalen Hood, Shafino. And like, he he fit in, um, but I mean he was not not the star of the game the way that uh, Starling was. But uh, and I would agree that six ten is a, is probably a stretch there unless he's grown since I saw him play in high school. Um, but I mean definitely kind of six eight and a half six mm-hmm. nine maybe mm-hmm. that's fine. Certain, Big guys okay. it, that's Notre Dame could have used him last year. I was going to say certainly <laughs> taller than Goodwin at power forward, so that yeah, helps well, too. <laughs> he can get a rebound. It. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where you know that's where losing, you know, like Kerry Booth is uh, right around that that range, but he is more of a he's more of a three. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. he's the guy that's going to want to go out to the, hey. the point line. Uh, also, long threes, good long, 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 lanky guys that play th- the three spot is also good in basketball that, in, the, that, in the modern era, in the post nineteen seventy five recruiting era that we've that entered. Definitely, that works as well. We'll be back segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Segment two, burning up the boards. First question comes from ever to excel. Which Notre Dame position coaches do you think have the most potential as future college football head coaches? 
If Notre Dame had to hire a head coach tomorrow but could select only from its current position coaches, who would be your choice on offense and defense? And I guess after reading this a couple times, I realize he does not include the coordinators, but we're going to have to go there too. Yeah, Pete, I think I got a couple obvious choices, so I'll let you go first here. I was going to say that if you have Parker and Golden not included, then the question becomes a little bit more interesting because um, that's exactly where I would have gone first. So I, Joe Rudolph, maybe uh, on offense. Uh, he would be the coach you're saying if Parker yeah. and Golden and Freeman all can't coach. That's going to be yeah. a lot of stuff going on this summer. But I would, I would give, I would take Joe Rudolph and then defensively I'm just not sure I have an answer no I think Mickens is the next coordinator coordinator. Mickens is the next coordinator would you say for for um yeah college among that group Mike Mickens would be my first choice to be the next coordinator but if we're talking like if he would be like an interim head coach of on defense if it had if they got to that point um but yeah that's this is a it's tough beyond the coordinators because I just don't think that we know enough about them. Um, and I think what we do know about some of them, you're like, eh, kind of hard to see it maybe as a head coach. But like when Lance Taylor was here, were you, were you thinking like, yep, that guy's going to be a head coach uh, in five years' time? I don't know. I we never got a chance to talk to him. How would we yeah. know? <laughs> uh, I mean. I, no, that's true. We barely you know. I think, I think that uh, – I think that Chancey Stuckey is the type of personality, the type of kind of that Pied Piper kind of personality that Marcus Freeman has too. Um, he would be somebody that I would say, but yeah, I mean, I, Jared Parker is, has that kind of personality um, as well. I and I and I think you know right now, Al Golden. I agree that Mike Mickens is is the next defensive coordinator from that group, but I think that. Well, Al Golden has previous experience, obviously, as a head coach, but I don't think that he's in much demand for that that role uh, at, at this stage of his career. So, uh, but you know, Stucky to me is that 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 personality that that really stands out. And it takes us to uh, which takes us to the next question from Beast Texan: If Nordam can hold on to the wide receiver commits, Chancey Stucky appears to be the greatest wide receiver recruiter Nordam has ever had. What do you think is Stucky? What do you think Stucky's path is? Is it next offensive coordinator or to the NFL? I love his ability to recruit. Curious if he has the same ability or desire to call plays. Pete, go ahead. I don't know. Um, Urban Meyer was a good recruiter, though. So I'm just going to throw that out there. People can take it or not. Um, but I, you know, Stucky's, I, I agree with what Priester said about I can see some Freeman ish. Uh, parallels in terms of personality and relatability and all that. But it's been one year. Um, He's recruited really well. I thought he did a nice job getting Jaden Thomas from point A to point B last year. Um, Lorenzo Styles went in the opposite direction. Uh, We'll see what happens with Tobias Merriweather. I think Deion Colsey's got potential. But, like, this is a big year for him to not – last year I feel like his coaching job was like, I got to take a bit of a mess – and clean it up that's that happened now can he take the next step of the receivers where you're like wow Notre Dame's receivers that's a real surprising strength of the team Priester how did you feel about Vinny Serrato's recruiting success uh when he had the perimeter there with Rocket Ishmael and bringing in wide receivers Todd Light and Pat Terrell to become all-american corners and safeties and uh also Derek Mace 
I mean, I thought, it, did, I thought it was even better than than the early enrollees no, they got this year. That was good. It, it was outstanding, but he was never really a position coach, nor was he. <laughs> They're still better not, right not, now than Flores, I think. Yeah, I like Frigo no. Flores a lot, and I like Great House, but I thought Rocket did a pretty good job. The Urban Meyer reference, interestingly enough, he actually, you know, I mean, he was kind of at the forefront of the whole RPO stuff and did have a, an opportunity at one point to call some some plays. Uh, so, you know, but but like Chancey Stuckey is offense coordinator. I have no idea. I, I don't I we don't know. I like immediately people or or uh, Brian Mason. Well, he's going to be a head coach. You know, you can't it doesn't always. Translate think, to the next step in this profession. It's because each each step is so different than the previous one. Yeah. Two thoughts on Stucky are he definitely has the personality to be a head coach. Yes. But he also has the um understanding of the position to be probably an excellent NFL wide receivers coach, in which case he could then become a coordinator in the NFL. And then of course it's a much longer career path to head coach. But he has those options too. I, I do see him with a little NFL lean. I could see him so than some to, other guys. Yeah. I could see him moving around like, you know, in the NFL, like the chance to live in more of like a metropolitan area than South mm-hmm. Bend, all due respect to our hometowns here, but um, you know, his California roots, he's from Georgia. Um, I think, yeah, he'll be, he'll certainly would be coaching somewhere else than Notre Dame probably sooner than later, just because I think he's really talented. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably true. Hey, he's a, he's a very smart, intuitive guy. I, I just, my point just being that, you know, wide receiver coach doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a quality play caller, but I guess if anyone would, a smart, intuitive guy like Chancey Stuckey would, yeah. so, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't put that past him, but this much is sure. Um, his future is very bright in his profession. And I, and I would agree, Tim, that, I mean, I, I would, my guess would be NFL first. Me too. That is my, if putting money on it would be NFL. Right. Right. Next from Hayden Adams Z. Are there any players on the current roster who quote unquote, surprisingly did not enter the transfer portal during either window during either window this spring? Well, I mean, I, again, always a little bit reluctant to talk about. Oh, I'll throw in the logic one. If Tyler Buckner didn't, Steve Angeli would have been a top choice because he would be the third or fourth quarterback. That doesn't make any sense to stay. No, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that that was, uh, I think that Steve Angeli had to reevaluate what his next move was. Now, logically, it would be a bad move. Right, right. Um, You know, I, I, I thought it was possible that Rocco Spindler could could enter the portal, but you know what? He's now on his third offensive line coach, and we saw him do some good things in the blue goal game. And maybe this is the you know this one coach has gotten through to him more than the previous two right. did because he was not close to being on the verge of playing in either of the first two years. But that's also the nature of of young offensive linemen as well. So. Um, you know, he stayed and hopefully that's a good sign for him and his future and Notre Dame's future at offensive guard. Yeah. I would say, um, one of like, whether it be Ryan Barnes or chance Tucker, just, just based on the fact that if you're behind younger players, that's a tough situation. Um, I, you know, Tosh Baker or Michael Carmody. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think if you'd said, Hey, Barnes, Spindler, Baker, Carmody, Tucker, 
are all going to be on the roster. Like none of them will have entered the portal. I'd be like, Oh, well, that would surprise me a little bit just because they're behind younger players. And I think they're, they have potential to play. Um, I know Carmody's had some injuries, but um, those are, those are guys who can play somewhere. Um, even if they're not, there's a, not a lot of reps available for them at Notre Dame right now. We should be, since we never have an opportunity to be fair to Rocco Spindler because of the ridiculous nature of people thinking he should have started from day one at Notre Dame when Notre Dame struggled at guard with their seniors. Rocco Spindler had no chance of playing at Notre Dame his freshman year. Just because Blake Fisher did doesn't mean Rocco Spindler could have. So it's not like he's been this giant disappointment forever. He had zero, zero percent, if you're listening, chance of playing over Kane Madden. They never once considered him to play. So it was the next year that he had a chance to win a job. Yeah, and, and I think we, we have to be fair to him too, just because there's delusion about how can Rocco Spindler not be starting and winning the Lombardi Award. He never, ever, ever rightfully as a true freshman had a chance to start over a fifth-year senior or Michael Carmody or Andrew Kristoffic that year. We were talking about it in in the spring of his early enrollment, but that, but I, but again, but, we were we were getting clips, highlights. We were, we were getting, getting highlights. We were getting we were getting highlights, and then plus you're also you know, you're enthralled with what, now what we were seeing from Blake Fisher was legit because remember we were questioning Isaiah Foskey because he couldn't get around Blake Fisher. Uh, and Brian it, and Kelly was questioning Isaiah Foskey. Yes, I, yeah. I just want to point out they, they, they started nine offensive linemen that year. Eight off, <laughs> nine offensive linemen started that year. Okay. So obviously if he had a chance to start, he would have started. Yeah. And just think about this. Cause I wrote, uh, you know, again, I did the Pendleton uh, counting down today. And so I, I referenced that if Blake Fisher doesn't get hurt, do we see Joe Alt other than as a as a backup tight end, as a blocking tight end? No, but he probably would have started the next year at right tackle. Probably, yeah. but he wouldn't have started eight games. No way. Blake Fisher's not getting replaced by Joe Alt, who's the right. who's the wearing number forty five. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, anyway to get back to the the topic. Uh, in Kiana Aina. Was the guy that we thought might not be on the roster. He is, you know, Alex uh, Aaronsberger coming from Virginia. He's, is this his fourth year? See, fourth year. This, the- he's K and I's year. He's a, this is entering his senior year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, now I mean, with two years of eligibility, K and I has right. three. Right. And so I'm expecting Aaronsberger is going to get his degree and then because he's he's not seeing the light of day or or it doesn't appear that he has a role on the defense they moved him inside i'm not sure if that's necessarily better than him on the outside or what but those would be um yeah those are two other guys that that come to mind and then you you know i, I mean i think you to speculate about a sophomore is is premature but when a guy's going into his junior year yes other than a quarterback because they always transfer sophomores out yeah, yeah. but not anymore he's safe as they get Question from Rick 50. Would Antonio Carter II constitute a Nick McLeod level transfer at safety? Nordy needs that type of guy on the back end of the defense and appears he's the only option right now. It's the month of May, everyone. National Nick McLeod month. Oh, I yeah. can't I can't mention it. Could be that Antonio either. Carter month. 
I'm trying to think of, we got to know Nick McLeod prior to second team all ACC. The first ever Notre Dame player to earn second team all ACC honors at cornerback, Tim, and the only one, by the way. There may never be another, no matter how well they recruit. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, McLeod was a, McLeod came, he was a captain at NC State. Yeah. He had started, gosh, he started 12, 11, 12 games as a junior the two years before. He started as a sophomore half the season. He was a captain as a senior. That, that's a pretty high. There was a 0% chance he wasn't going to work out as a starter at Notre Dame, Nick McLeod. So I wouldn't go that far. Um, and they needed Nick McLeod more than they needed Antonio Carter. I think they needed a they needed a full they needed everything that year. I wouldn't go that far, but if you didn't know if you weren't who were their I'm trying backups. to think of their backups. Clarence Lewis started as a true freshman with Nick McLeod. We liked Bracey though. I'm trying to go back in time. You have to you can't do all um, yeah, anecdotal evidence. Think, yeah, we didn't think Bracey was physically prepared. No, we didn't think that. he was ready. Uh, Crawford, no, I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, he and he wasn't. <laughs> they had Crawford, but he had to play safety because they didn't have safeties, which is a uh, running theme, apparently. I yeah, think Nick McLeod would rank higher coming into the season than. Yeah, yeah because, Nick, he, Nick played, because he, he was a, he played ACC football. But my, my point being that if you just looked at film and you didn't know background, I would I would put Antonio Antonio Carter the second up there with Nick McLeod. Sure. Different, a little bit different players. I mean. McLeod definitely, definitely a, a boundary side corner. Uh, you know, I mean, from that standpoint, Carter's more versatile. Yeah. We're talking, I mean, we're talking safety, but he, he's physical enough to play boundary and, and, you know, quick and change the direction. He's that's good enough to play the field side. So that, the film is really, really impressive. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the opponent. It's the individual, the way he moves around a football field. He's good, man. He's good. I hope Antonio uh, Carter gets uh, leapfrogged during a playoff game like Nick McLeod did. That would be oh, fine as long as they're in the playoff game. Pete. Stand there with your arms crossed. Um, Nick McLeod is number one. Um, you know, it's like even Ben Skoranek, I may even put ahead of Antonio Carter. I mean, he started every game on a playoff team. He Major need. He had, like he had he had more than 100 receptions. At yeah. And he was, a, again, a captain. I, I realize like, we don't want to get too caught up in the opponents, but Nick McLeod was doing it against what Trevor Lawrence. Um, so that, I mean, that matters it does. to me. Um, so, but in terms of, look, they need, they need Antonio Carter. Um, do they, do they need Antonio Carter as much as they needed Nick McLeod or Ben Skronik? Probably not, but not that far off. Um, so I, you know, probably maybe more in the, Kane Madden mold of like this guy did it at a lower level, but the highlights are good. Let's see how it works out. Um, but Antonio Carter has a lot. There's a lot to like about his game. And I don't, I mean, I don't see him like taking reps away from Xavier Watson, probably not even DJ Brown because of his experience. I think Henderson is the one that better, better have the position down pat now. Or a guy like that will move ahead of him. I'd like to point out that Kane Madden has been brought up twice by two different Irish Illustrated Insider members in a positive light somewhat on this podcast today. It was a People are shutting off returning. the radios everywhere right now. Number There's two just... returning player in college football, yeah. uh, offensively, according to Pro Football Focus. <laughs> 
Our next oh, you know, next I thought, hey, you know, I, I, I mean, I thought it, I thought it was a nice addition too, but there was no doubt that laterally, that movement, <laughs> no, yeah, you said movement it, you did wise, and you then what it. happened was he was getting beat at the point of attack early on, and I think that's probably more, maybe just being overwhelmed by the situation because you know he was, I mean, well, he had an elbow, in, he oh, did he have a bad elbow injury too. Yeah, that's true, and he, yeah. I mean, he wasn't Chris Smith strong, but he was, he was strong. Remember when he came in to talk to us after he was saying getting, maybe the competition mattered for uh, Kane Madden when he was yeah, overwhelmed? Yeah, I do feel bad for him, though. He was getting beaten with one arm, and he came in to talk to us, and all people are asking him about is getting beaten, and he literally has his arm like in a robotic sling yeah. trying to get through an interview. I'm like, guys, I think we know why he's playing much worse than even he anticipated. It was that's That goes to them not being able to uh, develop the offensive line at that point. But, boy, they got good after that. Brian's question from Brian seven, three, nine athletic freak is quickly becoming an overused term, but who do you each think the top five most athletic members of Notre Dame's team is? All right. I'll, I'll throw one name out. Um, <laughs> I'll start with Benjamin Morrison. Tobias Merriweather. Uh I'll give you three, Tyree Mills and Hart. Tyree Mills and Hart, okay. Uh, yeah. Would you say Mills is an athletic freak? Yes. I mean, his workout numbers are, like, top of the top. What about Jack that. Kaiser, then? Um, I mean, good. But, like, Mills, when Bruce Feldman does his freaks list, Mills was the guy Notre Dame was like, he needs to be on there. And he just doesn't move like that, though. No, but we're just talking about athletic freaks, not like. I guess. Man, argument. I, I would trade that title for getting off blocks. Um, I mean, I'm just uh, Jeremiah Love could be in that category yeah. for Notre Dame, right, Pete? Oh, yes. Michael Bell could be. Michael Bell could be. Uh, he, he, Michael Bell is in one category of athletic freaks. He's faster than most human beings. Caleb Smith could be. And you know what? Jaden Greathouse might not be, but he's better than all of them. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, like, yeah, I would agree with that. I think, like, Braylon James could end up being one of those kind of. They say, now they have all said he is the athletic freak, Braylon James. Yeah. Like, the coaching staff, and not just Chancey Stuckey. They all mentioned James. And I don't know that, I mean, I don't know about athletic freak, but Xavier Watts brings some qualities to the football field that are, that are pretty special. Eli Raritan before the two ACLs was a guy that people talked about yeah. in that realm, right? Vertical leap and all the things, just a big guy moving in that he body. Looks, and his, he looks good in uniform. Yeah. That whole Greek God comment that uh, Chancey Stuckey had last year, like, I like Eli Raritan qualified in that. Any category. reason we didn't say estimate? I was just, <laughs> I was just, well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I was just going to say him though, but, you know, and I think, I mean, Jadarian Price pre Achilles might have. Yeah, I don't see. I I think athletic freak. I must read it differently. I I could have never signed off on Mills for athletic freak. When I hear athletic freak, I think weight room testing. It has almost nothing yeah. to do with your football. No, that's ability. fair. Yeah, that's I think fair. of like vertical leap and speed, and that shouldn't be the only thing you think of for athletic freak, obviously. But I just think of forty inch vertical runs a four four athletic yeah. freak, but that doesn't mean it necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it sounds like Riley Mills is going to make Bruce Feldman's list this year. 
Oh, he made it last year. Oh, he did. Okay, that's right. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we'd really like to see that translate a little bit more in terms of football productivity. Uh, question from Fighting Irish Lover 7. In hindsight, was the Chris Tyree move to wide receiver an attempt to appease a wavering Logan Diggs to stay? Do you now project Tyree to get more carries from the backfield and fall for a just-in-case scenario? I never thought Tyree's move did anything to Diggs. I think Diggs felt he was ahead of Tyree all the time. I thought Tyree's move was to uh, give him a pro future and maybe entice Tyree to stay. I agree. I do too. I think it was, it, I, you know, I mean, obviously you were never going to appease Diggs to the extent that he wanted to, unless he was number one, you gave him 25 carries a game. Uh, but I do think it was more about, it was about Tyree. Tyree has two years of eligibility because of the 2020 COVID season. Um, and I think it was all about that. Does he get more carries? I, I, I think a lot of it depends upon the health of Jadarian Price, the progress of Jabron Payne, the evolution of Jeremiah Love. I know all those things have to happen in short order because you got to make a determination about Tyree. I don't, you know, I think Tyree stays a receiver and maybe you give him a few more reps to stay, stay sharp at running back. I wouldn't think yeah. that it would take. You know, I, I don't, assume he gets I don't want to underestimate reps in practice, even if it's an experienced guy, because that's what, that's what non-coaches do. And, yeah, and it, yeah. Do you feel like just jet sweeps could be his carries, though, as long as Price yeah. is healthy? Yeah, or you can, or, you know, you just for a change of pace, you put him a running back and handle the ball. Right. You know, I mean, that's a, you know, kind of a Braden Lindsay look, you know, when they did the jet sweeps or sort of like when he lines up in the slot and comes around. Like, yeah. Certainly that's got to be in play. It's worth noting they lost a receiver, too, when you talk about moving Tyree. I mean, they lost Lorenzo Styles. Yeah. Can't just, they're, they're don't, they don't have enough bodies to, to not rep. They have to rep with Tyree. If, if you know, if what was if what Chancey Stuckey said in the spring is accurate, he's one of the he came out of the spring as one of the three best receivers, or the or I should say their best slot option. And he's he's a different slot option than Jaden Greathouse. Yeah, I like I like Chris Tyree, um, the person and the player. But have you ever been more okay? You're going to have to show me what you're telling me than you have on Chris Tyree going to this season with what everybody's telling us versus I I'm 100 in that category that I don't I've said you know I mean I he had everybody and Pete just mentioned him as a, as a freak athlete. I I don't put him in that category. I just don't I I, I don't. I, I realize that the, the testing numbers say that speed-wise, flat-out speed, I don't put him in that category. Do you, do you, I, no, I mean, I, the numbers are what they are. Like, But that's like, gets back to what's an athletic freak. To me, it's just testing. It doesn't have anything to do with your football, um, necessarily. I wish O'Malley had tracked over the years. Guys that, all right, just show me now. Like, I... <laughs> I've heard one too many compliment one too many complimentary things about said player. Riley now Mills is on the list. Too Riley right Mills now. is up there, right? Um, yeah, but Ty, I mean, Tyree would be one of it. Just hasn't really happened for him. Um, and it's like the ability is there, like the speed is there. Um, and I don't. Reese is clearly talented enough to try to get him the ball. I mean, God, but mid-September last year, we were like, why isn't Tyree getting more touches? 
And then we got, got more touches. Why is Tyree getting so well, many? Well, because touches? he wasn't because he was getting so few. That's why yeah. we, we said it. But like three breakaway plays on 210 touches. Yeah. Does not, not you know, there there are too many plays where it should go for 28 yards and it goes for three or seven. And that and and so that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in that category. I sure hope that, you know, I mean, I hope that he proves all of these words wrong, but it, it is a, for me, like, like you, O'Malley, I mean, it is a show me or show the world uh, that you really are in that category. Next from Denver Maximus. What was it about Tyler Buckner that made him such a polarizing topic on the message boards for a player who played very little? There were many discussions about him with very adamant supporters. And detractors, I should point out. Denver Maximus did not say that, but I'm throwing it in. I mean, you know, I I didn't really consider him a polarizing topic because, I mean, he is the quarterback, and so he's under greater scrutiny than than anybody else. I don't know. An interception every 14 passes? That that would probably be at the top of the list. Um, I was going to say interception touchdowns will polarize you about a guy. Right, and and I mean the change of the throwing motion prior to coming to Notre Dame was was really it was so disappointing that 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 would occur before he even got here, because again I refer to that recent video that Tom Loy put out. Um, seeing his original throwing motion was, I thought it was really really good, and it changed, and it it, it never it has never gone back to that throwing motion. I think people are frustrated about Notre Dame's quarterback recruiting where the guy never turns out to be the guy. Like they took Buckner. That was who was advertised as like, if Notre Dame is ever going to get to the top of the mountain, they're going to need a playmaker at quarterback. This is like their answer to Trevor Lawrence. And like, it obviously was never even close to that. Um, I think that there's probably a subconscious Notre Dame chose Buckner over JJ McCarthy, and that looks like a mistake too, um, because it's Michigan. That makes it a little angstier for some people. Um, yeah, so it's just quarterbacks are always people never have a, a well calibrated reaction to quarterbacks. That's just that's just not how college football works. I also think that um, had Tyler Buckner transferred to California, there would have been three hundred fewer posts on every Tyler Buckner message in their last month instead of alabama and tommy reese yeah very true it's kind of i mean one of those like what if tyler buckner clicks at alabama i don't know because tommy reese is i don't know tommy reese is coaching him so it's like the immovable object and the irresistible force we have to figure out what what happens they're like oh my god they're averaging 55 points a game i just it's how come that slot receiver plays running back too what's going on it's there's just a lot a lot of a lot of subtext for that. Who, who's uh, that? Who's Alabama's uh, Tyree and Riley Mills? Pete, could you look that up and give me the? Uh, I think they've got yeah. There's the, an abundance. I, you know, I think everything you guys have said is. is <laughs> I mean, it's pretty accurate. I mean, I think most quarterbacks are polarizing one way or another. I mean, look at not that Ian Ian Book certainly wasn't didn't come out of high school ranked like that. But he was polarizing when he was at Notre Dame. But he was polarizing when yeah. he was in Notre Dame, and he won he won more games than any other starting quarterback, which is a little bit, a little bit of a a, a skewed stat, um, because defense was the the defense was very good during that time. I you know I don't know Tyler Buckner didn't 
performed to the level that 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 was expected. And um, you know, that 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 makes for polarizing figures, whether it's quarterback or another position. I okay. want to tell hey Tim, I want to tell one story because we'll never be able to tell it again. When I when I asked Pete who was about Kay Madden. I asked Pete who <laughs> there you go, three times. When I asked Pete who is Alabama's Riley Mills and Chris Terry <laughs> five years five years ago, six years, five years ago, the SEC championship game was on TV. Okay. And Jalen Waddle, the freshman, caught a seam route and went 70 yards in four seconds. It was the most incredible thing you've ever seen in your entire life. And Pete Sampson sends me a text that read, that's their Michael Young. It's just the most debilitating thing to read if you're watching college football, because he was right. That was their fourth and a half guy at the time. Yep. Not for long. It felt like a different sport. Not for long was he their fourth receiver. No, no. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> all right, I'm going to move on to pin and pull. Yeah, that one hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, since we, uh, I don't know about your involvement in the Kentucky Derby. I used to go, uh, and we have Kentucky Derby parties on a on a regular basis. And so the question from pin and pull is this: a horse racing theme question. Who will win? place and show in terms of scrimmage yards for Notre Dame's offense in 2023. We are of course going to exclude Sam Hartman. So it is the running backs and receivers. Win estimate place, Merriweather show Thomas. I'll flip Thomas and Merriweather, but I agree with estimate. Yeah, I would have estimate first. I will go. I will go with the more proven player next in Thomas and then Solaire. No, I, no, I mean, I am standing by, I think I said, I could see Sam Hartman finding Salerno frequently 18 or 20. I'm going to reduce that to 15, but I'll say that, and I'm not going to bet a hundred bucks on this, but <sighs> I will say that <laughs> Salerno will catch, uh, 15 passes this week, but now I'll go, uh, I'll go with a more sure thing, which would be Jaden Thomas. I went Merriweather was mine because of yards. I think he'll do like the 18 yards per catch with Hartman type thing. So all of a sudden he has 38 receptions for way more yards than you would think he has type. What about a, what about a fully healthy uh, Jadarian price with the uh, show in this instance? Yes, I would have, he would, if Jadarian price is in there, he could place. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Diggs placed last year. It was Diggs, estimate yeah, Diggs mayor, Diggs right? Been place. Yeah. Might be harder this year with, with Hartman, but I still think, I mean, Hartman's going to pass to more than one guy. So if Jadarian Price is fully healthy, I would probably go second behind estimate. I don't think, I mean, I think Great House will be, as we saw in the blue goal game, will be a, a, a favored target, but so much of it is underneath that he would, I don't know how many receptions he'd need to, to, to place or show in the, in the yardage. Category. I'm sticking with what I heard about great house in practice that Jaden Greathouse is very good on the deep ball. Well, we saw it in high school. I yeah. mean, he was, he was spectacular in, in that role. I'm just not sure that he's going to get nearly as many opportunities as, as a Merriweather, as far as the deep ball, even time. I mean, even, 
Even Thomas, yeah. Thomas gets Thomas, down there too. In, in, intermediary throws anyway to, to, to Thomas, yeah. Next question from DMB346. Do the recent undergrad basketball transfers into the program signal that Notre Dame is more willing and open on that front? Not necessarily. Uh, you know, I mean, Julian Roper comes from Northwestern, and Jai is a kid that Shrewsbury recruited. As a, and he's a freshman coming in. The freshman's the key, right? For yeah, fresh, fr fr a freshman from Lalamere is you're, you're a pretty good shape right yeah. there. Unless something really went haywire at Penn State, <laughs> that should be an easy so, transfer. Yeah, so I wouldn't say that this is a seismic change in Notre Dame's approach with undergrads, whether it be football or basketball. I think we'll have a better idea when they fill out the rest of the roster. Yeah. I was also wondering if maybe Notre Dame's undergraduate schools thought it would be more fun to have a basketball team than to have bookstore tryouts for Shrewsbury in his first season. So they were like, yeah, go ahead and take some guys. It's fine. We'll, we'll get them in here. There's you imagine if they didn't allow anybody in. Will they get to 13 scholarships, which he should, because he can lose four next year. That's fine. Oh, I agree. I, I'm just saying that because yeah. I don't, when was the last time Bray? I maybe overestimate. When was the last time? I mean, it would have to have been early, early, early on back in the day. I think he might have had it in the in the Chris Thomas first couple of years. I could see that. Although I mean, by why the do time you need thirteen guys, you only play six guys. But <laughs> yeah, I think well, I think Shrewsbury will will go beyond that. I feel pretty confident in saying that. But again, it, it a lot of it has much to do with the composition of the roster. And it's going to be so young. It's just, it's going to be an incredibly young roster. You can't have the turnover. I almost said an impossible comment that they're going to have as much turnover next year. They obviously cannot have as much turnover next year as they're having this year. But I think there's going to be a lot of turnover in year two as well. Yeah, I mean, you think it probably... Some guys wouldn't pan out the way that you thought. And, yeah. you know, guys that are stuck around get passed by and then leave, grad transfer out. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess I would look next year is a pretty big rebuilding year for Notre Dame, obviously. But if they could rebuild and you've got a ton of guys averaging 24 minutes a game, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Give everyone a shot, assuming they're, you know, capable. But, yeah yeah not get away from anyone averaging 34 minutes a game they'll probably be uh it'll be very easy for them to do that and, and o'malley in terms of you speculating about roster turnover i throw my hands up and I, yeah and i don't mean uh i just think that think it's you, going to be if you bring in 12 13 you're definitely going to turn over for the next year that just well first of all zona and zona will have to play really well to be offered a fifth year and Sanders would have to be completely different, completely different basketball player to be offered a fifth year. Uh, and then you're just going to have some guys that transfer out that don't, that you needed to take that you don't need to take now. And I also think you should get a one-year grad transfer. There's no problem with that in basketball. It's, it is college basketball is bringing in one-year grad transfers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with that. J.R. Kinesny, we have no idea really what. I always forget about J.R. Yeah, I think, yeah. No, I, well, because he hasn't played and it's been two years and, but he's capable. He's a shooter. He jumps well. Um, you know, I know that doesn't necessarily translate to being a, a a quality rebounder. But I'm glad you brought that up that he jumps well. Um, apparently, he was when Blake Wesley was on the team. 
Every yes. player on the team said Jr. is the best dunker on the team, and I just found it to be the strangest thing I've ever read in my entire life. But apparently, Wesley he's a better a, dunker than Blake Wesley. Wesley was a great athlete, but he was not a Skywalker. He great athlete yeah. doesn't always translate to to vertical jump, and he 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 wasn't a great leaper. He was a great athlete and still is. Uh, we will end with a question that uh, that has me curious, and uh, not only in basketball but football. From the always creative Statman72, what are the chances that Notre Dame plays Penn State as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge in basketball? I uh, know the well, exact I, – I can put an exact number on it. Okay, well, uh, Penn State was the uh, 10 seed in the Big Ten basketball tournament. Zero percent. And why is that? Because they got rid of it. Oh, yep. <laughs> this is the last year. <laughs> okay, bad on me for uh, for uh, choosing the question, <laughs> Statman. But let let's. I, the, my point it would be it would be one hundred percent fun. It would be one hundred percent fun if they played. Notre Dame, Penn State playing in a bowl game. Uh, that would, would be, be fine. Yeah. But I do think Penn State Notre Dame basketball would be. Oh well, it's yeah, it's it's. I would like Penn State, like not, not football. quite Notre Dame LSU football, but. Notre Dame at Penn State would be a great game this year in basketball. That would be an awesome thing to see. Does yeah, Penn State have a team still? That's a that's an apples to apples comparison, but an apples to orange comparison is uh, is in football, and that would there would you know look I I I was covering Notre Dame football when <laughs> Penn State was still an independent, and that and Notre Dame was playing Penn State in football. And the animosity that Penn State fans felt toward Notre Dame. Insane. And I, and I get it because Joe Paterno had a powerhouse there, but they were always second citizen to Notre Dame football. And I and I get that. And I, and you you certainly felt that from the Penn State fandom, especially when we as media were traveling to Penn State to play them in football. So to me, I would there would be there would be a lot of venom coming from from uh, state college if if those two squared off in basketball or football you know what i was just thinking about this with brian kelly and lsu because since you guys brought it up there's really only two more years where the players are going to care if they play lsu i mean the coaching staff and the fans and the writers are going to care for a very long time but it's really about only two more years. You could just turn this roster will be completely turned over from Notre Dame by the time if it's 2020, if they play in the, I think 2025, you would still have this. Yeah. He recruited me. This is, this is this, but this is the, like last year would have been incredible, which is why everybody in Pete's mailbag asked him every day if they could play LSU. <laughs> and this year would be awesome because they're kind of have their, they both have their footing as coaches at their new programs. Then you're getting into the point where it just becomes fan animosity. Uh, if it was in a playoff game, it would be kind of fun. Well, if that you were awesome. a Penn State, if you were a Penn State basketball fan, one of the dozen in <laughs> out east, um, I mean, seriously, imagine how you'd feel about Michael Shrewsbury and Notre oh, yeah. Dame right now. Yeah. Cool. That's why I would love to see them play at Penn State. Yeah, it'd be cool. I'm right. You, They're not yelling at me. I'm covering the game. It's fine. I just go out there and watch the game. To... I've been to State College for football, but not for basketball because no one's ever said that they've done that before what I just said out loud. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so. I, I covered the NIT when Taylor Battle beat uh, Notre Dame, when Notre Dame packed their overnight bags for the NIT weekend. They decided they didn't need to pack that heavily, and they didn't. They they tried just like the everybody brought on a carry-on, and they just left it on the plane and went home three hours later. That was a fun one to watch. Yeah. All right, we're going to be, we're going to wrap it up with that one. Uh, again, like we said last week, barring 
some emergency uh, this week. We will be back on Monday, May 15th for our next podcast. Until then, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Did you know that the unique O'Connell Bridge in Dublin, Ireland is the only one in all of Europe that is as long as it is wide? Discover this fascinating fact and more on the number one bus tour in Ireland, the Do Dublin Hop On Hop Off City Tour, which stops at all of the city's iconic attractions, including crossing the famous O'Connell Bridge. You won't want to miss out. Book your city tour now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated.